0: Sunday morning in the summer Nancy said I could talk as long as I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see where that goes. (laughs) I want to thank Michael and Nancy Taylor for inviting me to be in the pulpit again. Uh, it it really, truly is a homecoming for me, and I want to thank Shirley and Roger Cunningham for hosting me. Shirley's away in Kansas City, and, uh, but she made sure that I was going to, to bother Roger, who, who probably could have just studied Chinese and had a fine weekend without me. <laughs> but we did have a, a, a good supper and, and, uh, and, and a good conversation, I really appreciate appreciate seeing the folks that I miss. I didn't realize it's been six years since I've been in this pulpit, since I've been here. Six years since I was your intern. That that's in seminary. I was a student. You taught me a lot. I'm really grateful to UU Peoria for launching me into ministry. So when Nancy asked me what my sermon title might be, I thought, what would Michael do? (laughs) And his advice was usually, well, give him something generic that, you know, you can fill in the information later. It might work. It might not. They don't know. (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) I didn't tell you that. Eventually, you'd get it to go in the direction you wanted it. So, may we live in interesting times. The life of a UU seem pretty safe. I mean, look at the times. Plenty of fake news out there. We have some political small things going on. A lot of fodder for a Unitarian Universalist minister. And we as Unitarian Universalists, or Universalist Unitarians as we're known in some parts of the country, we make our own problems. We do as James Luther Adams says, and we challenge each other's beliefs. Even more, we challenge the beliefs and the systems of the culture around us. We create a lot of tension for ourselves and everyone else. Um, Sometimes we're not welcome, sometimes we don't like ourselves. (laughs) I call us the religion of the perpetual reformation. (laughs) I think we need a statue for that, don't we? (laughs) Kind of an icon, perpetual reformation. I'm thinking t-shirts. Sometimes we have big reforms and sometimes small, but always we are making our own interesting times. Now, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of reformations, and this is a history lesson. Our first big reformation, and you've heard all of this. That's good you use. You've read your history books, right? So everyone will go, yeah, yeah, I know about that. The first big reformation was uh, Channing's Unitarian Christianity, calling out the Unitarians, uh, the liberals, the progressives, bringing reason to Christianity. That was a huge reformation. But of course, in our denomination, there's always someone that says, well, that was good, but it wasn't enough. Let's do this. And the transcendentalists came along and said, religion belongs to the individual. It's our experience that really makes it real. So transcendentalism actually helped us step into abolition and and into early civil rights, into suffrage, and into the Civil War, if you really want to get down to it. And after that, the big reformation was humanism. And humanism pushed us more into the rational side, created a, a place of you don't have to be a theist or non-theist to be a UU. We finally figured that out. It took a while. We were mad at each other for a long time, and I think we still are. But that also then created a space for feminism. The women looked at all of this and said, well, we've lost spirituality in this. We've lost a sense of self. Women and children aren't part of our principles and and we didn't have sources. So it was women, feminism, who came in and reformed us and gave us our principles and sources as we know them now. And that opened us up to LGBTQ, welcoming, saying, oh yeah, we can welcome lots of people. And that also helped us step into the civil rights era. We welcomed paganism, earth spirituality, and all the ecological issues that come with that we have lots of reformation within our history. When I was here in Peoria six years ago, six years ago, I remember we were part of the challenge to the city and to us to be more tolerant of its Muslim and immigrant population. There was raised tension. 9-11 wasn't that far away, and terrorism, airplanes blowing up, There was raised tension around Islam and we were part of the group that invited the Muslim leadership and population to meet with us here in the wider community to get to know each other, to listen, to listen to them, to hear, to challenge our beliefs about them and our relationship. You get to know them as people, as possible, you know, friends. That same year, we hosted a seminar on transgender issues. We showed movies about that brought up the issue of trans- transgenderism. We hosted educational uh, seminar, we brought in an expert, we talked, we listened. We listened to people who were transgender so that we could change our beliefs. This was a major work to challenge who we are. This congregation and its leadership we would step into the social justice needs of Peoria. And I was very, I'm I'm proud of you. I know you've continued that. You've done that in a personal way and as a church community. I know folks working on environmental issues, on elder rights, and I love your opening where you speak to the Peoria. We need that, we need to be reminded. We challenge our beliefs all the time in Unitarian Universalism. So after I left Peoria and graduated, was ordained and you were part of my ordination, I found this same attitude of Reformation at my first call as an interim minister to the Topeka, Kansas Fellowship, UUFT, UU Fellowship of Topeka, in 2012. Now, this is my travel law, okay? So I went from Peoria back to Chicago, finished my degree. I actually. Spent some time as a chaplain at Rush Hospital in Chicago, and then I went to Topeka to be an interim minister for two years. Now, Topeka's challenge of beliefs and its history of reformation was around the AIDS crisis. One of Topeka's members in the 80s, Toby Scanlon, was afflicted by AIDS, And this was early in the crisis when it was a panic about it. Nobody knew what to do. What is this plague? Who are we in relationship to that? The, The fellowship was suddenly called to listen to one of its own members as to who they were in relationship to AIDS, to the gay community. The fellowship challenged its beliefs, and rallied around Toby, caring for him through his death. And beyond that, they became a force in the community so that there were community organizations formed to care for those with AIDS. To actually, uh, to be part of the gay community. Their work at Reformation helped change Unitarian Universalism. It helped change Topeka. And Topeka is hard to change. I'm gonna tell you something. (laughs) Peoria is actually, yeah, Topeka, Kansas. Think about that. The fellowship there, listened and they changed, they changed their beliefs and they became better. When they grew from this and they built a new building, they named their sanctuary Scanlon Hall after Toby, a tribute to Toby and their growth as Unitarian Universalisms. Now I have to tell you one of the great things about that Topeka Topeka Fellowship is uh, this is the capital of Kansas so they have the yellow shirts the Kansas legislature knows when they have an issue on their docket that Unitarian Universalists are interested in because out in the audience yellow shirts standing on the side of love and they're there They go, oh boy, their hair again. What have we done wrong? They go looking for trouble, this fellowship. They go looking for interesting times. While I was there, do you know about the Westboro Baptist Church? Okay. Yes, well, they would protest our fellowship regularly. We were on the schedule. Third Sunday of the month, an hour before our service. While I was there, the rainbow house appeared across the street. I don't know if you know that. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, I forgot his last name. Aaron came to town and in the middle of the night painted, bought a house and painted it rainbow colors. And then in the next day, across the street from the Westboro Baptist Church is this rainbow house. And we adopted them, and they adopted us. (laughs) They wanted a place to speak to the community, and I said, have our pulpit. And we worked for two years to establish a relationship with change, a place to listen where gay people, LGBTQ people could come and be free and listen to each other, and we listened to them. And in that time, a friend of mine, I developed a friendship with Stephanie Mott, a transgender rights activist. And I hope she comes here sometime to speak. A little fellowship in Topeka, Kansas, listened and challenged themselves, and they changed. And they changed the world around them. May we live in interesting times. We curse ourselves, don't we? I was called to be the minister to Fayetteville, Arkansas in 2014. And I have to say, not people, not too many people in Illinois even think about Arkansas. I say, Arkansas, what do you think? Yeah, okay, Ozarks, right? I'll go vacation there. I might retire. There's a lot of Chicago people retired in the Ozarks, but not Arkansas. Why would we go there? But Fayetteville is a beautiful town. University of Arkansas is there. And I will admit, it's a little blue spot in a red state. And I like the challenge I like the challenge to challenge others, to get them to think. To challenge their beliefs, to be active in the Reformation. And Arkansas has a lot of Reformation to do. The first week that I moved to Arkansas, we haven't unpacked very much. And I find out that Tuesday night, the city was having an open mic night to speak to an ordinance that anti-discrimination. It said that in employment, in housing, and in businesses cannot discriminate. If you are a veteran of religion, you can't discriminate against religion, but they had also put in sexuality and gender. And that sexuality and gender piece, that challenged some people's beliefs. So I went on Tuesday afternoon and I got in line to comment on the ordinance. And at 1.45 in the morning, I got to speak to the mayor and the council. And I would speak to the city council about representing Unitarian Universalism. A religious people who worked for the worth and dignity of others. We have a long history of being in this place, of challenging others to be more free and help them. We worked against discrimination We stand in favor of this ordinance and hope the council will pass it because it will be, it will mean more freedom and more love in the world. Now the main factors against, the main arguments against the ordinance from some conservative churches were that there was really no discrimination at all in Fayetteville, everybody was free to do as they wished, nobody's being hurt. So why do this ordinance? And the other argument was bathrooms. Well, transgender people in bathrooms. Now the city council, long story short, the city council passed the ordinance the big fundamentalist church in the area brought in huge overly paid lawyers and stuffed and got us got them to put it on a ballot so that we had to vote on it. And then they brought busloads of their people to the, to the ballot box and the ordinance was overturned. And that just, I'll use the Midwest term, torked me off. It torqued a lot of us off. And we knew that we had to do something different to make this happen. And what that difference was, was challenging our beliefs that we could just go and make this happen. We had to challenge the beliefs of the LGBTQ community that they didn't have power. And we stepped into a place of relationship and said, if we don't, if you don't share your stories about what's really happening, if you don't have a face, then this will never happen. So we helped by stepping back and letting them form their organizations, and let their stories be the ones on the paper, in the papers and on the radio, so that people knew that there was discrimination. People knew that they had lost jobs, that they weren't getting housing. People knew that they were just real people. They were sons and daughters and mothers, fathers, just regular people who were trying to live, and we won, we won the second time. They were people who have worth and dignity, and we listened to them and we helped. Now, Fayetteville passed the ordinance the second time, and the Arkansas Supreme Court is fighting it, of course, but That's another story. The other piece that I, I went to Standing Rock in my time at Fayetteville last year. And I was changed. I, I became part of a story of a failure. A failure for Unitarian Universalism. We fail as well as have victories. We can fail spectacularly. And I know that, that Reverend White and your supremacy uh, teach-in, you talked about this, and you've talked about this before. In the 60s, in the civil rights era, we stepped onto a bridge in Selma. We stepped onto a bridge with Martin Luther King Jr. We were there, and we marched, and we gave blood to the civil rights movement and African-Americans were joining Unitarian Universalism. This is a free religion. This is a religion where they can explore who they were. Everything that I like about you, you, they like about it too. But we failed. We failed them. As Michael and Linda spoke about our history, our foundations were and they are too white we just couldn't let them be them organized to become black you use we didn't listen to them we didn't step back and and listen they didn't grow up in unitarian universalism like white regular regular folks did, they had to come into it and figure out who they were on their own. And we wouldn't give them permission to do that. We already assume that everybody's free if you step in that door, that you see yourself, that you see who you are in this congregation in congregations all across the country. But you don't. And our white leadership kept saying, well, I'll tell you what, to join us, here's what you ought to do. Here's what you ought to do, instead of letting them tell us what they needed to do. So African Americans left. They found that they were not going to break the white ceiling. And we didn't know why we couldn't figure this out we could not figure out why we couldn't let them be who they were. And I stepped onto another bridge in November of last year. I stepped onto a bridge at the Lakota Sioux Reservation in North Dakota. We were there at the invitation of the Lakota Sioux, 500 clergy to support them in their fight against the uh, Dapple pipeline. And you're familiar with this story. They were desperate. The Episcopal priest there was seeing that His tribe was being over, you know, it's just being pushed around by white supremacy. The pipeline could have gone north of Bismarck, where it would have poisoned the water for everyone in Bismarck. Who would want that? But then it could go onto the reservation, and who cared? Well, we cared, and he cared. And he called for a few clergy to come to try to get some press. And when he thought 30 people would show up, 30, he thought 30 or 40, maybe 50, and when the first 100 had registered, he thought, well, that's good. He ordered some more white bread and bologna for sandwiches. And when the second 100 registered, he's going, this is getting more out of control. And when it finally came down to 500, he said, I'll just get the bologna sandwiches and make a schedule and let's just, uh, you take care of yourselves. Unitarian Universalists listened. And here's what they said. They said, do not come and tell us what to do. You are here to be a companion. You are here to add, just to witness what is happening to these people. And on that bridge, as we marched, talking with all these, with my indigenous friends, with folks that I met, I realized that the reason we failed so spectacularly in the 60s was We're mired in this system that says we have to tell them what to do. This was my epiphany. And now we're trying to spread this all through Unitarian Universalism. And what I went back to was Topeka and Peoria, and I said, we've done this before, we've listened before, we're capable of doing this. This is not something we can't do. We just have to understand how hard it's going to be. I think we've been given a second chance, a second chance to do this work. And it's not just about about African Americans. It's about the indigenous peoples. It's about immigrants. It's about people of color. It's a broad range of who we want to become. We are living in interesting times. And we're doing it to ourselves again. And this is good. We're calling for a change. You know the saga of, of the discovery of our UUAs, if you want to call it a good old boy network, a white good old boy network, that's the white supremacy. The unearthing of our hiring practices and the resignations of the president and other officers. But you have to remember the UUA is us. We own ourselves. This is our denomination. It is us who are gonna change it. We were called upon to consider white supremacy service to reflect upon the pervasiveness, pervasiveness of the larger culture in our churches and how people of color might be shut out. How we worked so hard to be welcoming congregations to white LGBTQ folks but failed their black and brown brothers and sisters. That service, and I know you, I I watched it. I watched your service and it was a wonderful one. In this church and in my church and churches all across Unitarian Universalism, it's only the beginning. The beginning of our greatest reformation. This is work. Work to figure out how to dismantle white supremacy from within. So that our whiteness is an equal color to black and brown and all the rest of the rainbow. And we we are already moving this way, we, we can do this. It is us, it is in our blood, it is who we are, it's our DNA to change. It's gonna be hard because also in our DNA is white supremacy. As JLA said, the truth. We have to challenge each other for the truth. We have to challenge our beliefs, and this is hard because I don't believe is an easy thing to say. You use stay to listen to each other, to other voices, and find the truth. We do the hard work. And so the Reformation begins. Once we do it, and we will, we will start spreading it to the rest of the culture. I, you know, I may not live long enough to see it completely, but we've done this before. We create these viruses. The Episcopalian Church and the Lutheran Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas, are becoming universalist. They're becoming us. And the LGBTQ work that we did in the 80s like a virus is in their blood now, too. We start things that are good. Now, I wanted to share with you my experience of Unitarian Universalism since I left you six years ago, to remind you that you in Peoria, in Topeka and Fayetteville and all across this country, everywhere. We're not alone. We're doing this together. We are a people with a mission. Finding our true beliefs, challenging the dominant culture and use the truths to reform ourselves and the world around us. Look at the good works you have done internally already at Peoria. I'm I'm proud of you people to change and know you are capable of doing this work, doing what UU is all about. We are the people of the perpetual reformation. Carry on so our children can build on our work as we built on those before us Carry on, UU Peoria, carry our principles and our sources. Carry on, UU Peoria, you saucy solar-powered church. (laughs) I'm proud of you, and I'm so hopeful for our future and the future of our denomination, because everywhere I go, we do Unitarian Universalism, and we do it well. Thank you so much.